Hey friend, do you agree? Life is made easy only when you get real about the struggle, real about the challenges, real about where you're at, where you're going, and how you want to get there. Do you agree? Life is messy. And also, it's so beautiful. Welcome to the Made Easy Method. Here we have fun. We do real life and find joy in the journey. I'm Tanya Kirkpatrick. I'm here with you through the process. Let's dive in. Hey guys, so this episode that you're about ready to hear, I felt it was really important to give you a foundation. It's that peeling of the onions back, that layering of who is Tanya Kirkpatrick? What are some of the experiences that I have had in order to teach you how to use your experiences and put it in your jet pack for jet fuel of how to come back from little T traumas, big T traumas, how to utilize your story that you've been given and not waste those moments, those teachable moments. And in the middle of your mess, oftentimes we feel like, am I the only one? So I want to encourage you to take a listen, know that this is really the foundation. I'm unpacking basically um, 20 years and younger, so when I up to when I turned about 20, and so that you'll get a a little peek into my childhood and what I've been able to do through a lot of growth, personal, professional development, as well as counseling. Thanks so much. I look forward to seeing you on future podcasts where we really talk about tangible tools, takeaways of how you too can up-level yourself in utilizing your story to become the best you. Hey friend, I'm so excited to have you here today. I want to tell you congratulations for taking time to invest in you. I know that time is precious and I want to encourage you if you have someone who's experienced loss, who is looking to up-level their life, who maybe just needs a friend to understand maybe what they're going through. Today I'm going to be walking through a little bit of my story and it's emotional. And so I want to encourage you that if you're here today and you're walking through something that's a little emotional to give you permission to sit with that emotion. I've learned over the last 47 years that God never wastes your story. And for me, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about when I was a little girl and learning that I have walked through some trauma. Uh, Can I get a witness? Like everybody has stuff. And it's taken me a long time to really understand what was a little T trauma, what was a big T trauma, uh, how to navigate that, how does Tanya Kirkpatrick show up in those moments, and what are some key parts of that in learning how to navigate moving forward in a more healthy manner. So recently, I lost my husband about a year and a half ago to a widowmaker heart attack, and I walked into my counselor's office for the first time and said, hey, I'm here to process the death of my husband and also a lot more stuff. And I knew that I had some other things that I was working through. And as we began to unpack everything, she was so good to meet me right in the middle of my mess. And she said, Tanya, I really truly believe that when your husband passed away, it like knocked the top off and everything imploded from there. And so you were dealing with so many things, but you had learned as a little girl, as little Tanya, to say, it's all right, I'll just do it myself. And so I want to walk you through some of my challenges in my childhood and how I learned to 
create the space of comfort and not always in dealing with the things that really mattered. And if you're here today and maybe you have some little T traumas or some really big T traumas in your life of what that looks like, and I want to unpack that a little for you. All of us go through life and we have these smaller things that happen, a little T trauma. Um, And some of them are what we would view as a little T trauma when in reality, they're pretty big T traumas. So they're pretty big deals. I remember um, coming home my seventh grade year and my dad was gone. He had left. And in my mind's eye, because I had other friends that were getting divorced, their parents were getting divorced, I never looked at that as like a big T trauma. It was a pivotal moment in my life. And I think about going back to my childhood, just recently processing through counseling, feeling this out of control feeling when my parents were arguing and not ever knowing what the outcome was going to be. Even though I could have looked at that as a small T or a little T trauma, the reality is it began to shape who I am and figuring out that I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel Um, I had healthy boundaries. And so I began to pick up, hey, I'll just do it myself. Through counseling and through processing, I've been able to go back. And this may sound really odd, but I will tell you it's been so freeing. And the most amazing experience to this is the growth of knowing I'm going to be okay. And that, that moment of reality of saying, even though it's been hard, it's been exhausting emotionally to go back and through processing. Um, I'm actually going to have a specialist on EMDR coming up in some future episodes. So stay tuned if you're like, what is she talking about? I really want to know more about this. Uh, And so I've learned to go back and pick up little Tanya and bring her with me. It is a reprocessing of an experience And what I found that is mind-blowing is I can be back in that experience and I will have memories cross over. So my counselor said, Tanya, your neural pathways are like highways and often they have intersections that cross over. And so that's been really empowering, knowing, oh, that's why I do this thing. Uh, Because I will feel in a place of out of control, not being able to really understand the situation And I like pick up my toys and I'm like, it's fine. I'll just do it myself. So when you're processing through or when you have big T or little T traumas, knowing that it goes back to who you were and how you were raised, what your family life was like, how did you navigate conflict? Did your parents talk through things? Did they argue in front of you? I had a girlfriend in high school whose parents never argued in front of her. And as she got married, she reached out to me because I was talking about a Bible study I was doing called Love and Respect. And she said, Tanya, my parents never argued in front of me. So I didn't know how to navigate that in my own marriage. So going back to my childhood, when my parents were arguing, I went back to process when I was three. My sister was older. I remember my parents arguing, um, my dad taking his forearm and clearing off the entire kitchen island. My mom, you know, bending down and buttoning me up. I had this baby blue coat on with fur around the head, and my sister had a red jacket with white fur around her head, and my mom was like, we're leaving And feeling such a lack of control, scared, not feeling protected, uh, and really learning that in those moments, I had to self-soothe and tell myself, it's fine. I'll just do it myself. Uh, Tanya, you're going to be okay. So when we were processing this through the EMDR counseling, 
which we'll talk more about in a future episode, uh, you actually have buzzards in each hand, so your left and your right hand. And processing through, it's not a reprogramming, but a reprocessing through the memory where I could actually, as my adult self, be back in the room in that experience and pick up the little girl, Tanya, who was scared, who felt out of control, and tell her it was going to be okay. I think oftentimes we look at this process of being woo-woo or you're like, I never want to go back to the experience of trauma, of um, having sexual abuse, of divorce, of having you know, tragedy in your life. And yet God made our bodies to be miraculous and your mind and the way our brain works is so interconnected and tied to your emotional outcomes. So when you're willing to go back and do the work, although it is exhausting and it can be, um, you know, physically where you feel tired after this, it's something that's been so freeing and really opening up this next level world to myself um, emotionally and being able to connect the dots and be a better mom and be a better grandmother, be a better friend, a better uh, future spouse. And I really encourage you that if you are in the process of trying to figure that out or you have the same issue that keeps coming up for you, that you are worthy of unpacking that. And so uh, one of my girlfriends, before I started actually going to counseling, said, um, you know, which counselor are you going to? And I had the worst outlook on it. I had tried counseling before and it was like, meh, I... I'm going to go there, I'm going to talk about my feelings, and it's not going to really get me anywhere. And she said, you know, I really want to encourage you to go on with an open heart. And I was so grateful for her being a truth teller. So I walked into my counselor's office to kind of unpack not only my husband's death, but also so many other um, things that kept coming up for me and hardships. And the counselor was so great. She met me right where I was again and said, Tanya, if one of your kids had, you know, this horrific sickness and you went to a specialist and you had a horrible experience, would you pack up your stuff, say, I'll just do it myself and then be done knowing that they needed that care? Or would you find someone that was a better fit? And I thought as a mom, oftentimes we will do so many of those things for our kids, but we will not do it for ourselves. And that was just such a, um, a conviction for me. So I thought, you know, I'm going to be open to this and I'm going to unpack some things and I'm going to agree that if this is not the right counselor for me, I'm going to find the one who is. I owed that to myself and I owed it to my kids and again, the people who I do life with. And so from being young and having parents who argued um, extensively in front of us to um, being a little girl and uh, my parents had built a house in Prescott, Arizona, and it was beautiful. We all had the opportunity to go and we would carry bricks to my dad as he was literally laying the foundation for the house. And it was cool because I learned a lot of life lessons. I learned what it was like to not have a lot and also see my parents struggle, not only in their relationship, but also financially. Uh, we had a part of being a part of the build of this house. And also before it was done, we actually lived in the garage. And so that portion had been finished and kind of finaled as my dad was building uh, places and different rooms of the house. We lived out on a creek. He dredged for gold. That is how he was able to have the money to actually build the home in Prescott. I remember laughing and giggling with my family, my sister, my mom, and we were all taking a bath in a creek 
And I tell this story to people and they look at me and their eyes are like this big because they're like, that is crazy. You actually lived on a creek for a year. And I said, yes, we were building this house. And it's a part of my childhood and the connection, I think, with nature and having such an appreciation. And I also watched my parents really struggle again in their marriage because my dad left and went to Australia and dredged for gold in Australia for a year, which is so crazy. Um, It gave me an opportunity to really connect and bond with my mom. I learned gardening. I learned cooking. I have a passion for really having that shoulder-to-shoulder time with my mom. And I I saw, again, struggle. We decided to move to uh, Mesa. I was really struggling with asthma. As a young as a young girl, I had pneumonia three times before that was the age two. And uh, Prescott was really hard on my breathing. And so we moved back into Mesa. We rented a home. And um, it was that house that I came home my seventh grade year and my dad was gone. And I think about that moment of opening the door and running through our house and crying and screaming, daddy, daddy, and not seeing his boat, his truck, and realizing he was gone and he was, he was gone for good. There was no coming back. Um, I had remembered my, uh, birthday party at one of my birthday parties I had had, I think I had just turned 12 and my neighbor hosted my birthday party and my dad had a 12 pack and he was out in his truck, passed out and um, feeling so not seen. I love my dad. He was an extraordinary man. My mom was an extraordinary woman, and they were both really broken and uh, really struggled. I share, I'm lucky, I share my dad's birthday, June 10th, and um, I can't imagine, you know, his thought that that time of my birthday, you know, being passed out in his truck and how, how miserable he must have been. And I... I really look at my high school years from that experience and looking for love in all the wrong places. So many people today are like, were you a cheerleader in high school? And I was like, no, I was really trying to find myself. I got involved in things that didn't cost money. And so I was a part of student government. Uh, I was also in choir and I loved being a part of plays. We did a lot of drama and that taught me how to be up in front of rooms and interact with people Um, Those are some of my favorite memories of high school. I worked part-time and went to school part-time, and then I ended up having three jobs and going to high school at the same time. Uh, Got into some really um, hard relationships in high school. I actually miscarried in high school, and I look at that time in my life, and, you know, I'd really taken my, my love of who God was and kind of put him in the back seat underneath the spare tire. And in those moments of walking through a lot of loneliness and wondering um, and having such a deep desire of wanting to be seen and heard and valued, I remember deeply missing my dad and so looking for that love and acceptance Um, and the physicality of, you know, who I was dating. So we went on to graduate. Um, I moved out a week after I graduated, I had bought my first car. It was $1,000, and I hit that Ford Escort on all four corners. There was a joke. One of my boyfriend's parents was like, we're going to tie a mattress to the front, the back, and both sides. And uh, so when you hit something, Tanya, you bounce off. And I thought that was so funny. I graduated high school, and one thing that my mom had done for me that has been a pillar of strength in every 
hardship in my life was take me to church. Um, I grew up as a Southern Baptist girl, and so I was in a program called Awanas when I was little. We got to um, do games at night, run around, and uh, we would do relay races. We wore these cute little vests, and I got patches for remembering scripture. And through all of the hardships through junior high and high school and feeling so broken and um, feeling so not seen and unheard and not valued, I would have that foundation and that scripture would come up in, and be with me. And I am so grateful to my mom for that foundation that I've been able to pay that forward to my kids as well. And through graduating and moving out and own, like owning my own first car, I bought my first car. It was a red Chevy Cavalier. I paid cash for it. I was approved uh, for it by myself. I got my first job at 13. I worked in a pool store, and I would disassemble pool motors, and these men would bring in their pool motors and all their equipment, and I would just, like, undo it, change out the O-ring, and hand it back to them, and they were in awe that here I was. I've always looked younger, so I was, like, 13 when I got my first job. I lied on my application because I needed a job. I bought all my own clothes. I bought my bedroom furniture. Um, I bought my first car. I picked up everything and I just did it myself when we were struggling financially. And I think about that it was hard. And also, instead of being angry about the time, I'm so grateful because I know that it taught me grit. It taught me perseverance. I worked at McDonald's for one day. I had to carry a vat of grease. And I was like, this is not for me. If I get burned, I'm going to be in big trouble. <laughs> so I was out of that. I worked at the pool store. I worked at the Disney store in the mall for a little bit. And then I worked at Red Robin. And I was the hostess. And um, I was also, this is a funny story, because I actually saw a family that was one of my favorite families. And um, I was the Red Robin bird. And so when they came in, their kids would run for the bird. I loved being able to be a part of so many different families' memories around the dinner table that I didn't have growing up. And so I was committed to the process of learning all the pieces and parts of a restaurant, um, of the pool store, of how that worked. And in high school, even amongst the struggle, God really provided some great models of families that had two parents that were married and both worked. I had this vision, this dream of owning my own business one day, of being an entrepreneur. Uh, if you go back and ask some of the people I went to high school with, they're like, she was a dreamer. In fact, we always said that she had her head in the clouds. She was always a big vision. Um, I dreamed of having a family one day and what that would look like and how I would do things differently. And it really made me who I am today. I look back at, you know, the experiences my kids have had. I didn't play in sports. We financially couldn't afford it. I didn't go to college because, again, we financially couldn't afford it. And I had never had a model in my life that said, it's okay. You don't have to have the money right then to go to college. Um, it was something that I'll never be able to fully, truly understand what makes one person successful and another one not other than one word. And to describe that is grit. I remember shopping with my kids one time and I was in Target and I was looking for a book to read and that one like jumped off at the shelf at me because as I've grown through different seasons in my life, uh, people have asked me, how have you been so successful? 
And I don't really think that they understand success is built on the back of struggle. And uh, as a woman, now a mom of four, a Gigi, a widow, a business owner, and someone who has experienced both financial duress and also financial just abundance, I would say never compare your story to someone else's and also know that there is such an plethora of abundance and learning new skill. So if you're in a season of your life and you're saying, oh my gosh, I thought my life was going to go one way and I have these skills and I'm equipped in this way. After my husband died, I was talking to my financial planner and I said, what if, you know, something were to happen, then what do I do? And he looked at me and with just such conviction, he's like, Tanya, are you kidding me right now? Like you could go do whatever you want from the experience that you have. And it was someone in that moment that saw me and had watched the struggle turn into this really great strength. And I really appreciated that. You need people in your life that see you. You need people in your life that have seen you struggle and also walked with you through the strengths of your life. And I want to encourage you that no matter who you are, um, to remember whose you are and that in life you look at so many times, I feel specifically as women, we're always looking at other women like, wow, she must have it all together. Wow, her husband has it all together. Or she's this kind of mom. I wish I was that. And we, we like create this perfect human. And we have not seen the struggle. Uh, I have, you know, divorced parents. Uh, I was pregnant in high school and lost the baby. When I was 19, I had had a horrible breakup with my boyfriend and I was not living at home. I was actually living with his family. And I thought in that moment of a, like, a moment of struggle, I almost made a permanent decision. And I share this with you because a lot of people don't know this about my story. It wasn't something I'd ever shared with my husband until I had gone through a Bible study. And the pastor talked about having skeletons in your closet. And I sat there kind of full of pride. And I was like, Ugh everyone knows everything about me. Like I'm an open book. And I felt like this conviction, like the Holy Spirit knocking on my chest saying, uh, no, no, he does. Your own husband doesn't know that you took an entire bottle of Tylenol and had to have your stomach pumped. And so I look back at that moment, we were doing cardboard ministries at church and I wanted to, I wanted to be able to go up and be authentic and transparent with my story. At the time I was leading a women's ministry and people, you know, really looked up to me. They were like, wow, she's in leadership. Uh, she's been super, you know, transparent with her story, authentic. Uh, God is just really working in her life. But there was this one thing that I was like sitting on and I, it was, it was just like bubbling up. And so I went to the back of the church and we were writing on cardboard and I said, you know, in 1996, um, or I'm sorry, 1993, I took an entire bottle of Tylenol and I wanted, I wanted to end my life. And in 2000, I think it was 2006, I, and I put, I was broken and tried to take my life. And in 2006, I now minister to broken women and God restored me. It was a woman who was, I'm not trying to get not emotional. She was in the hospital. And I remember um, going to the hospital in the back of an ambulance and uh, being treated so respectfully. 
and not being looked down to. I often was looked down to because I looked so young, even um, in high school. And this nurse in the ER spent such great time with me. And I remember her looking me in the eyes and saying, you are here for a purpose. That one person like changed the entire trajectory of my life. And so I feel like so many people struggle with mental wellness, specifically after the last, you know, three years of hardship and pandemic and um, struggles in marriage, uh, losing loved ones, um, the suicide rate being really high because people are really struggling. And that if that's you and you're listening today, that you are here for a purpose. I want you to know that life is messy and that God meets you always in the middle of your mess and you are worthy of the next level of your life. And I'm proud of you for being here today. I'm proud of you for joining me and taking time to listen to my story. I hope that you've been inspired and that even if you didn't see your story within mine, that you'll continue to join us on the next couple of episodes as well and find um, a method to making your life easier. We are so excited for all that is happening and taking place. And I'm so grateful that you joined us today. When we find something good in life, wouldn't you agree it's our responsibility to share with others so that they too can feel empowered? This podcast was created for you, specifically you, to be empowered with tools, conviction, belief, and encouragement. Imagine looking in the mirror and loving who you are as you uplevel your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and financial reality. Please take some time to share this with family and friends and post this episode to your social media. Also, please take some time to write a review and let me know what you loved. Here is why I'm so passionate about this project, Blessing Others. You see, I've been there, believe me. I'm a proud mama of three phenomenal daughters and one extraordinary son. I'm an over-the-moon Gigi of a beautiful, growing family. I've experienced teen pregnancy, abuse, divorce, single mom, financial struggles, and great loss when I recently lost the love of my life, making me a widow. Without a college education, I've built thriving businesses that have made me a millionaire. And more importantly, I've been so blessed to make an impact in people's lives and their trajectory. I've been a keynote speaker around the world and recently started a growing women's ministry. This past year, I found a deeper connection with my creator, and I found love again. The reality is we are all way more alike than we think we are. See you on the next episode.